we ask a friend of ours who's been pastor over us, teacher, friend for since she was this I've little. Never been any of you. <laughs> I, met, I met him when before. <laughs> she's only she's only fifth, 16 now though, so I kind of. So yeah, yeah, he's got lots of kids and grandkids, and has done an excellent job teaching and training them. So he's agreed to come share some of his thoughts and ideas with us. So Ron. Mr. Carr, Ron, however you, however you want you to call him, baby. Call me whatever. Do I share? Do you want to stand? Uh, yeah, I'll stand up for a while at least. Um, so, yeah, I'm Ron Carr, and uh, I know some of you. I don't know a lot of you. So it'll take me a little while to get to know you and know where you're at. But let's get one thing straight right from the start. None of you have been old. <laughs> All right? You getting there? And I've been young for a long, long, long time. <laughs> so we're going to start this way. And I'm going to give you each a card and you give me your name. You're Jeremy, right? You got it, bro. You are? Michaela. So many pens in. Yes. And that stack of cards right there. That's what? That stack of cards right there, too, yeah. on the piano. Oh, that's okay. Good. Mm -hmm. I'm new here. No, it's you that started We got some common ground already. And this will last you all week. And if you do it right, 
Maybe it'll get you outside yourself for a little while. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. to roughly like 9 or something or when people go home and we play uh, volleyball, frisbee, and other things, so feel free to come. Shop it. And <laughs> shop it. <laughs> feel free to come and invite friends. Uh, pretty much anybody can come. The rules are just be nice. Don't lose. You know, play fair, whatever, have fun. Nothing super serious, but make sure you invite people that aren't going to do like drugs and stuff, you know. It's sports. <laughs> I mean, you have to take steroids in sports, right? Yeah, that's why. So that's no, right? <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't work. You're not taking it that many. You should have stopped cleaning it up. All I said was you're not taking it that many. You tried to stab me. She's probably trying to quit together. You want to sit right here, Danny? She's like digging around there. Oh. I was like, Let's just go over this first verse. That which was from the beginning, 
which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Okay? What's the difference between that and the song you just sang, that he's here with us and all that? One thing you need to learn about me, there's no dumb answers, there's no wrong answers, there's no bad answers, so you just speak up. What is the difference between that and the song you sang about the Waymaker? seen Jesus with your eyes? No. Have you handled him with your hands? Then how can you say he's here with us? By, how by faith. Yeah, and by how he's healing people Okay, you can see him by what he does rather than by what he looks like, huh? Very good. Who said something else? By faith. By faith. And what is faith? Knowing that something's there when you can't see it. Knowing that something's there when you can't see it. So how do we know Jesus is real if we haven't seen him or touched him? We see what he does, right? Like the wind. You don't see it. You don't. You ever try to catch it? It'll catch you. <laughs> but but you don't. You can't catch it. But you see what it does, don't you? But he likens that to the spirit, doesn't he? With Nicodemus in John three. All right. How about John? Did he see him? John wrote this, by the way. We call it, that's why we call it John. <laughs> Did he see him? Did he touch him? Can you think of a time when John saw or touched Jesus in the gospel? Give me one. This is the same. This is the John, right? The book. John, yeah, John, John the disciple. He actually calls himself, and we, we'll study this later, maybe. He calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. Yeah. So how did he touch him? Where did he see him? He spent three years with them. What did they do together? <laughs> All right, the official <laughs> Several times at the beginning of his ministry, right? He said, boys, did you catch any fish? see him after he was resurrected? Did they touch him? Are you sure? I think I watched the movie too many times. What you say? The movie. <laughs> um, um, the Chosen. No, it wasn't. It was Risen. One of the movies a guy hugs knocker. It was risen. 
Oh boy. <laughs> I don't even know what a wanna is. The worst thing you can do is tell a Bible story to five year olds because you know what they say? We saw the movie. <laughs> and then you know it, it's over. <laughs> All right. Somebody said they think he touched him after he was resurrected. That's scary to me. A man in the Old Testament, when they were moving the Ark of the Covenant, David was moving it, and that was supposed to represent God's presence. And the cart kind of got on some washboard, so he reached out and steadied it. God killed him dead in a hammer. Didn't he? What was his name? Oh, we got lots to learn. Okay. Uzzah was his name. Yeah. You remember the story. So how does John and some other people get away with touching Jesus, especially after he's resurrected? Didn't he have Thomas put his hand on his side? Thomas definitely touched him. Who else definitely touched him? Mark, Mary, Mary, Martha. Mary grabbed him by the ankles. And he said, you better not do that. But she lived to tell about it. So, how many of us have touched Jesus? Okay. But somebody said that we do this by faith, right? So let's keep reading here. We handle the word of life that's definitely referring to Jesus. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, so that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So what is John saying here? We touched him. We saw him. We prayed with him. We are in a boat with him. And we haven't done any of these things, have we? So why did John write this letter? that he and the other disciples saw him. He's going to testify just like a witness in court. And he's going to have to leave it up to you to trust his testimony by faith. Right? So that as long as the account of John and the other disciples is reliable that they saw and touched God incarnate in the person of Jesus. I think Mary was another person that probably touched him. And after he was resurrected, how many people saw him? They didn't touch him, maybe, but they saw him. Right after the resurrection, Jesus is kind of floating around for 40 days. How many people saw him? Over 500. Over 500. So if you can't believe 500 reliable witnesses, you don't have much faith, do you? But this is still a hard thing when we haven't experienced him personally 
my wife would have been with me except that she ran off with Jesus two and a half years ago. And she, we, I took her to the hospital and they did some tests. And the doctor, he came back in the room and we were sitting there and my wife had been real sick for a week, but that wasn't unusual. She was sick a lot of weeks. He said, I have some bad news. I have some very bad news. You are full of cancer. She was 69, not quite 62. And she looked him in the eye. She never missed a lick. She looked him right in the eye and she said, you know what? All my kids are grown and I'm going to go be with Jesus. I can do it now or I can do it later. Doc about fell off his stool. <laughs> so did I. But that's where her heart was. And when we went home, we said, well, Ma, I said, well, Ma, we've been, we've been talking about who's going to go first. I guess you're going to go first. And she said this to me. She said, Pa, I've always loved you. My wife only ever went out with one boy in her whole life. And I knew she loved me. She said, Pa, I really love you. I've always loved you. I'm so glad you married me. But I love Jesus more. And I'm going to go be with him. Now, she was in a lot of pain. And this is quite a thing to go through. She never said a cross word to any of us. But I saw in that moment, and I thought of this verse, that when Jesus got near the end of his ministry, his disciples, John included, John saw this. John experienced this. He saw Jesus' face change. They saw that he set his face toward Jerusalem. From that moment in Jesus' life, he was done bouncing around, uh, fishing and preaching and all those things, and he was headed for the cross, and he knew it. And from that moment, my wife was headed to be with Jesus, and she knew it. I didn't feel offended at all when she said I love Jesus more. Now I told you all that story to tell you this. I do not love Jesus more than my wife. I should. I know that. I want to be more like my wife. I want Jesus to be absolutely number one in my life. But I can't get there. You know why I can't get there? Because I saw my wife. I touched my wife. I hugged my wife. It was real to me. And Jesus is not that real to me. Have you ever thought, I wish I would have lived when Jesus was alive? Would your faith be different if you saw him? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it would. If you touched him? Huh? If you were dead yesterday and he <laughs> healed you and you're alive today? And somebody might not like that, but most of us. <laughs> <laughs> and God doesn't promise us this kind of experience with Jesus he took him back to heaven we're not going to all see him we're not going to all touch him but we can by faith 
believe the testimony of those who have gone before. And we can seek him. And what did the lady say? We can see what he's doing in our lives. And that gives us fellowship one with another. Is that what John's saying there? The whole reason I want to testify to you that I saw Jesus and that he's real and that he loves us and that he heals us and all those things. The reason I want to share that with you so that you can by faith get a hold of that. And when you do, everybody who gets a hold of that, or as Paul said, they let that get a hold of them, all right? I try to apprehend that which has apprehended me. That with all of those of us who have been apprehended by Jesus have a deep fellowship for one another. I don't know a lot of you, and I don't know if your relationship with Jesus is that person. But I'll find out pretty quickly. I have a lot of friends from communist China. And they, are, they grew up under totally different circumstances in a totally different part of the world. I can't speak a word of Chinese. Fortunately, they can speak a little bit of English. But in five minutes, I can have fellowship with a Chinese brother or sister from halfway around the world totally different environment and everything because their experience of Jesus is just like mine. It'd be like this, like, like, uh, like I uh, say to you, uh, you know, Tyler Howard. And somebody says, huh? <laughs> Tyler Howard, he's from Potlatch. From where? <laughs> no, I don't think I know. But some of you ask me, you know Tyler Howard? Do you know who he is? Same thing with Jesus. Do you really know Jesus? If you do, you have fellowship even with an old guy with no hair, all right? So that's what John is writing here. Let's go on. Somebody read verse five through seven. You got it, Rachel? that getting here. It's all about love and light and all that. Okay? For those of you who are homeschooled, sin is a four-letter word, okay? <laughs> but it is a bad word. But it is a part of it, isn't it? How do you tell Christianity from every other belief system in the world. What makes Christianity different than every other ism or every other religion or every other philosophy or belief system in the world? If somebody asks you, well, or somebody tell you say, I'm a Christian, and they say, well, all roads lead to Rome, you know. Right? You ever hear that kind of idea? How what is different about Christianity? 
and separates it from every other belief system. It's a relationship. It is a relationship. It is not a religion. Is a religion is man trying to reach God somehow by good works or by observing ordinances or whatever. All religions are trying to get up to God. But Christianity, God comes down to us, right? Through Jesus Christ. And it's a relationship. How many Christians do you know? Let's see who knows the most Christians. How many you know? A hundred? No. Two hundred? Three hundred. Four hundred. Four hundred. How many do you know? I don't count. A lot. You've been around for a long time. How many? Can, can you talk four hundred, you think? Yes. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. How about you? No, you can't talk four hundred, though. Uh, anybody talk 400? I'm sure. I'm sure I know. Okay, I have a thousand. I have a thousand. Will anybody give me 1,100? A thousand going away. Can you name them? Well, remember Danny knows us do that 2,000. Everybody knows 2,000 people. I have 2,000. <laughs> Bigger. <laughs> Did anybody top 2,000 two some average somebody threw out? I mean, I got 2,000 Facebook friends. There you go. <laughs> I can't. I have 2,000. Anybody kind of top 2,000? I don't even know. I don't even know one. I told you I've been doing a lot longer than any of you. I probably know 5,000. I bet you do. Yeah. I bet I do. Yeah, I forgot there was someone in my class the other day that graduated with. <laughs> oh, goodness. So you know, like two dozen or whatever. <laughs> no, like, like yeah, 22. 22. Yeah, yeah, 27 people yeah. in my class. <laughs> okay, so we're going to say we all know 25, all right? I hope so. And I'll bet a lot of my 3,000 that I know have a religion instead of a relationship. And we study doctrine, and we should. We should study God's Word. But Christianity is not a belief system. John here says it's a relationship. Which is hard to have with somebody you've never seen or touched. But you can do it, can't you? You see him work. You, this is his word. And he talks to you in this if you want to listen. Normally if you have a relationship with somebody, you talk to them. In fact, John's going to go in here big time into love. All right? And you guys are young, whatever. Some of you are too young to be interested in the opposite sex because you're not ready to take care of them. Some of you, it's too late. <laughs> but part of that building relationship is you talk. And the deeper the relationship gets, the more you share what's inside you. Don't you? And pretty soon you will tell this special person something that you won't tell anybody else. And that knits your hearts together, doesn't it? And the same thing is true with God. We have his word. And when you start saying, oh, God told me this and God told me that, it better be consistent with his word. But if it is consistent with his word, 
And God shows you something in his word that he hasn't shown any of the rest of us. You have a relationship, don't you? Remember Moses? Man, those people gave him fits in the wilderness. He must have quit a hundred times. But there was no place to quit to. <laughs> and finally he got to the end of his rope, and you know what he did? He went out in the wilderness. And he said, God, how can you ask me to take care of all these people? I didn't father them. And then you know what he said? God, show me your glory. And God says, nobody's seen me at any time. That's why that makes this Jesus thing so touchy. That people touch Jesus when God said, nobody's seen me at any time. But he says, the only begotten son, he has declared me, he has shown me. And God said, okay, Moses. He says, I'm going to hide you. In the rock, you can't see all of me, but you can see the back of me. And I'm going to pass by, and you're going to get a glimpse of my glory. By 10 million people in camp, God came down to the mountain, talked to them and everything. None of them saw his glory. That's just between him and Moses, okay? And God later says, I don't have anybody like Moses that I can talk to. Because on the mountain, Moses got to go up on the mountain. God said, there's nobody else that I talk to face to face. So there are general things in the Bible that God tells all of us. Sometimes we don't quite agree on them. we got to iron them out. But there are special things that he tells you that he doesn't tell me. And that's one of the ways you know you have a relationship with God. So somebody drugs sin in here. Now what are we going to do? What is light and darkness? Watch my time, because we started in the light. If I quit after dark, it's in the stone. <laughs> oh, no. Is that the light and darkness thing? <laughs> you know what he means by light and dark? Can you tell me? Um, I don't really remember. Okay. Being saved in the light? I don't know. Why is he? I don't know. Uh huh. Go ahead. Light, dark, what do they represent? Good and evil. Pardon? Good and evil. Good and evil. If you're going to go steal somebody's <coughs> diesel Chevy tonight, <laughs> you're not going to do it tomorrow morning. You're going to do it tonight. It's dark, aren't you? <laughs> right? If you're a Ford guy, it doesn't matter. Kick the bumper three times away. Kick your shit. So yes, darkness represents evil. Light represents good. So he says we saw him, we touched him. We know he's real. We live with him. We walk with him. You know what? At the Last Supper, John, Jesus was, they, they're kind of weird there. They don't like sit at chairs. They kind of do this thing a little more at the table here, you know? See? Yeah. And John leans over, puts his head right on Jesus' front, and looks right up in his And in the book of Acts, we find out he learned some things there that the Pharisees and the scribes and even the Apostle Paul never learned. He was that close to Jesus. 
So he said, I want to tell you all these things so by faith you can know Jesus like we did. And when I tell you those things, if you really grasp them, you're going to walk in the light. If you're not walking in the light, I know you haven't got a hold of this, you know. You know, my 3,000 Christians that I know, probably 2,000 of them aren't walking in the light. And John says, red flag. He doesn't judge them necessarily. I can't go around and judge people. I think you're for real. I don't think you're for real. <laughs> <laughs> Open your mouth, stick out your tongue. <laughs> but, that's what characterizes people who know Jesus. Now, okay, but let okay. So let's go ahead and read the last three verses. Who's got those? Finish out First John one. Danny, you got. Yeah. If if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. Okay. What are we going to do with all that? That's a mouthful. Anybody have a sin they'd like to confess? <laughs> <laughs> we can start a real revival here. <laughs> okay. All right. When you're done, we're going to play. Can you top this thing? You ever hear a testimony time like that? Yeah. yeah. in a Baptist church. <laughs> yeah. Evening service. Yeah. Pretty soon it's, yeah, can you talk this? <laughs> but we do have sin, don't we? So first of all, John says, sin tells us what our relationship with Jesus is like or isn't like. Had a girl one time, she's talking about election that we don't get to talk about it now but she says oh no she said I've always been chasing after God I've always been seeking God I said really I said most people don't naturally seek God God does something to kind of get them interested in him they don't just come out of the womb and and Cry for a while and their first words, where's God? <laughs> <laughs> but this gal says, no, I've always, always had a thirst for God. I've always been seeking for God. When I was 15 and living in a van with my boyfriend and had my first abortion, I was really looking for God. I said, that was a funny place to look for. <laughs> All right. We deceive ourselves, don't we? And the truth is not in us. But I want to close this loop. John's going to talk about love. He's already hinted at it. But he's going to jump into it with both feet as we go through this book. And I want to know why he wants to talk about sin before he talks about love. That's how I lost my hair, questions like this. <laughs> why does he want to talk about sin and confessing sin before he talks about love? Yourself from sin before you can love. All right. You, that's right. You have to deal. 
let God deal with the sin in your life and forgive it before you have freedom to love. Good answer. Thank you. I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> have you ever had to forgive John? Oh. <laughs> now I'm going to get you in trouble. <laughs> has a two-stage ooze. I put some on today, and I put some on in the one of the windiest places in Moscow. And it's supposed to get windy this weekend. And the homeowner asked me about it. The reason I'm putting them on is because the shingles that are on there are only 15 years old. They're supposed to last 25, but the glue gave up on them, and they're blowing off. And I told him, I'm going to put on a shingle that won't blow off. He said, well, what if it doesn't get, you know, to 100 today? No problem. These shingles, all they got to get is some sun, and they'll stick. They'll soak up enough heat to stick. I put shingles on one day when it was 24 degrees, and the sun was shining, and the next day they were stuck. Air temperature never got above 24 degrees. But it's a two-stage glue in the summer when your roof temperature gets up to 160 or 180. That glue melts and sticks together. And when the plumbers come and ask you to put a pipe jack up there, after it's gotten that hot, you tell them to go hike because you're not going to pry these shingles apart just with a pipe jack. <laughs> the way love works in a marriage. All right? I shouldn't say this, but you know what gal that looks like Kayla really doesn't have much trouble catching the guy like John. <laughs> you know? My wife didn't have much trouble catching me. You know? But when the heat comes on in marriage, or in your relationships with each other, or with your parents. That's what sticks it together, if you let God stick it together. Forgiveness is what sticks it together permanently, forever. And all that forgiveness begins when you go to the cross. And when you confess your sins, and when you figure out that you can't hide your sins, that's what we just read. If you think you don't have any sin to take to the cross, you're deceived. And when you take your sin to the cross, what happens to it? You already told it. God cleanses it. And he forgives you. And when the most high, holy God forgives somebody like me or you, that is what gives birth to real love. And then that love you can take, like she said, it opens you up. You can take that love to other people. 
But if you deceive yourself and you think, man, I'm pretty good. I grew up I'm a Christian, you know. I've never played poker except maybe for M&M's, you know. And all this stuff, you know, it's like, if you have that attitude, you're going to be a lousy lover in life. And you're not going to have this relationship we talked about. You're going to have a religion. So when you go to the cross and God forgives you, you can't help but love it. And then you take that love with you and you share it with other people. And you have the ability to love other people. Even weird people, you know. <laughs> he can take it, that's why I do that. So he doesn't know very well, so, you know, I don't <laughs> Any questions, <laughs> additions, or confessions? Here's a good time for your confession. No, you do your confessions when you hit your knees tonight. Any other comments? We'll go on in first John, we'll talk about this love and we'll and then John will give us then give us a test, find out if we really have it. Oh boy. He's gonna work us over really good by the end of the book. But that's okay because what's the first commandment? The greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a big commandment. But it's a good commandment. You have that kind of personal relationship with the Lord, like my wife had, and she said, Love you, Dad. I've touched you. I've seen you. We've walked through the world of life together. But I love Jesus more, and I'm a leader. That's really love. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these young people. You know how I've been praying in my heart to get back in touch with young people. I haven't been for many years. I have a burden for them. They have a world facing them that is so much worse than the world that I was faced with at their age. I just pray that you'll give them a strong relationship with you, that you'll initiate a personal love relationship with each one of them, and that they'll respond, that you'll forgive whatever sin they're dealing with or not dealing with. And I just pray that we'll all grow in our love for you and for each other, and I just thank you for this time. We gotta turn it back over to John. Thank you. Thank you, John. It's good.